over one of the main ones today. Because my goal is when you leave here today, I want you to know that you know that you know that you know you can walk in the throne room of God and walk out with an answer to your prayer. And I'm going to show you why God answers some people and completely ignores others. Does he ignore people? Sure, you have noticed it, haven't you? Thank y'all. Boy, if y'all don't get it more excited, I'm just going to, well, anyway, y'all are doing better in the first service. They didn't say anything. We had to bring out the coffee. So Luke 18, let's start with this. And he spoke a parable to some that trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. He wasn't talking to God, he's just talking to himself. God, I thank you. I'm not like all the other people, extortioners, unjust adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. The tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, and everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted." Now, I want you to go back in time with me a little bit, and I want you to think about the setting that Jesus just told the parable. No doubt in their mind that out of the two to get their prayer answered, it would be the Pharisee. Why is that? Because he was the one that went to church. He's the one that paid his tithes. He's the one that was doing everything in his power to live right. And it was obvious to us that it definitely would not have been the tax collector. A tax collector is a Jewish person who has turned traitor to the Jewish people and has gone over to the Roman side and is now being used by the Romans to steal from the Jews. And they're often very immoral and very crooked. So In the eyes of the people listening to the parable, it's definite that the Pharisee is going in and get his prayers answered and coming out. But Jesus said, not so. Now, you have to understand, Jesus said a lot of things to people that went completely contrary to everything they thought and believed. And it's not far off from that today. There's a lot of reasons God doesn't answer prayer. Now, let's go back over the first one right here and go over it again. Two men went to the temple to pray. They're both expecting to come out with an answer. One a Pharisee. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank you, I am not. I'm not what? I'm not bad. Is that true? No, no, it's not true. The Bible says in Romans, there's none righteous, not a one. Society today in the America, that we, the world we live in, outside of Christianity, there's not a good person out there. Not even a small amount. Nothing in you outside of Jesus is worth saving Nothing. Now, I think sometimes what happens to us is that we come to church 
And after a while, we've been tithing a while and living for God a while and singing and dancing a while. And we sort of think we've helped him a little. And you hadn't helped him. He's working with you in spite of you, not because of you. As a matter of fact, he only has one problem, and it's us. That's the reason he made all the animals before we came. He went, why did you make all? He said, I don't want any help. Because somebody's going to come along and try to help me with this job, and I don't want any. Amen. So let's look at this again. I'm not... In the world that we live in right now, there's two veins of thought on humanity. That people are basically good, or people are bad. Do you know that both views are wrong? And yet you walk out of this church and you get into a discussion with anybody and everybody you meet, there are two issues come up, I'm a good person. No, you're not. Or so-and-so is a bad person. Did you know that neither view has an answer? I was with Dr. Osborne one time, and he says the church has missed it in this one area. We have said that the, the, church, the people are bad or the people are good. He said, I have a third proposition. God is good. See, the issue in your life is not whether you're good or bad. The issue is God is good. You're where you are because God is good. Everything you have is because God is good. So the Pharisee, the tax collector, walks in to the, to the, throne, to the throne room, and he said, God, be merciful. God of mercy. And he appealed to the goodness of God. He didn't bring himself in at all. See, very often we think somehow or another we're going to bring a little bit. I have all these issues, not the, not the issue at all. I haven't been doing so good, not the issue. I've been doing real good. That isn't the issue either. What's the issue? I said it a while ago in the 23rd Psalm. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. So the, 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 the tax collector, though bad, David in the Old Testament reached into the new covenant and took mercy that wasn't available to him under the law and under the old covenant and pulled on the mercy of God and got forgiven of a sin that was stonable by law. If David could do it under the old covenant, can you do it under the new? See, you and I are going to have to learn something about God. The only good thing going on this earth today is that God is good. The second thing is he loves you, period. You ought to wake up in the morning and go, God loves me. And leave it right there. You have just set your day. God Loves me. So I want you to look at a couple of scriptures with me and uh, go to Isaiah 64, 4, 64, 6. Religion says I'm coming to a holy God with my goodness. No, you're not. You're not coming to a holy God with anything you've ever done. 
good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> Isaiah 64, 6. I want to read this to you. It says, we all like, un- we, but we are all like an unclean thing. All. I say all. Let's stop right now, and I'm going to throw something at you, and I don't want anybody to get mad at me. There is no superior or an inferior race. You say, white people are bad. How many? All. Black people, all. Germans, all. Puerto Ricans, don't say most, all. <laughs> see, I think sometimes we seem to want to, we want to brand, uh, we want to we go, see, the world's going racial. Don't go racial with God. Your skin profits you nothing. Your nationality profits you nothing. The Bible says there is no good thing in you, not a thing in you any good. Nothing to brag. You have nothing to brag about. All, but we all like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are like a filthy rag. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now, and I don't want you to get mad at me. I'm just going to tell you what what it says in the Hebrew. It is a woman's menstrual rag. You're walking in the throne room and God goes, why would I answer your prayer? And you say, I have blood I want to give you. And you want to know, do you think that's offensive? It's offensive. That's, that's vulgar. I didn't write the Bible. I'm just telling you what it says. I want you to understand that's what God thinks of you outside of the blood of Jesus. That's all the good you've ever done is offering God a rag. I'm trying to tell you, don't ever go in the throne room talking about you. You're going to be talking to yourself. (laughs) God's going, don't even bring them in here. And I've been there. See, what's the danger? How long y'all been saved? Have you done anything since you got saved? I have. You know what God thinks of it? Not much. Because we're his workmanship. Every good thing in you is Jesus in you. So there's no bragging. When, after you've been saved for 100 years, the only thing you got to brag about is the blood of Jesus. That's good news, though. We're going to get into that in a minute. Let's look at another one, Romans 3. Romans 3 is a scripture the Baptists put in the Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They did something right. They got Romans 3. No, you know, it's funny how uh, I grew up in a Baptist church, and, and, and we heard there's none righteous, no, not one. Yet it was years and years later that I found out that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. When, we, when I taught in Faith Christian University, one of the things that denominational people freaked out was when we, they started learning there was more to Romans than there's none righteous, no, not one. They found out as a Christian, they're not a sinner any longer. But I think that it's apropos for you and I to go back every once in a while and look at what God had to work with when he found you. 
See, a lot of people say, I found the Lord. Honey, let me help you with something. You didn't find nothing. You weren't even looking for God. God in his mercy had someone praying for you and God in his mercy was looking and drawing you and God in his mercy had the Holy Ghost come on you and showed you about Jesus and you got saved because God found you and you didn't find God. We'll get into America in a minute. Don't start thinking this nation's great because you're smart. You're going to find out real quick, we ain't smarter than anybody else. God takes his hand off this nation, you'll find out real fast. You can be a third world nation in a nanosecond without God. Okay, never mind. As it is written, let me just read this. I don't want to read it off the thing. Y'all are slow. There is none righteous, no, not even one single person. There is none who understands. There is none seeking God. They have all turned aside. Let me help you with something. I understand that some of y'all have got old grandmas that have never smoked a joint, never lied, never stolen, and they're not Christians, and I'm going to help you. They will go to hell when they die because they're not good. What is the worst sin in the Bible? Pride. I am good. Grandma, no, you're not. No, you're not. I sort of wish that I could get into Washington and just preach once. My God. I don't, see, you know, I asked the Lord one time, I said, do you want me to study politics? He went, no. He said, if you ever get around a politician, you preach the word because they don't know it. You don't need politics to turn America. You need God to turn America. And the politicians had better start getting right with God if they ever plan on doing anything for this nation. Anyway, we have a little old girl that comes here, a little Jewish girl named Leah, and she works for the Republican Party, and she said, they're not all good. I went, we knew that. <laughs> okay, enough politics. I'll come back to it in a minute. Look at verse 3. Their throat, this is a sinner, is an open tomb. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of asp is under their lip. You know what asp, the poison of asp? Slander and gossip. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and mercy are in their ways and the way of peace. They don't have a clue. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And now we know whatever the law says, it says to those under the law, so every mouth will be stopped and the world becomes guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be made righteous in his sight. There's only one thing to make a man righteous. Say the blood. The only thing stands between you and hell is the blood of Jesus. We, we make a big deal in this church about the blood. Why? Because we have an enemy who's always trying to bring up our faults. It isn't about you being good or you being bad. It's about him being good, and he is good. 
All right, let's move on. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go there. We've got a couple more to go on on this side before we jump to the other side, to the guy that got his prayers answered. Do you want your prayers answered? We're going to talk about getting them answered today. Ephesians 2. For you he made alive who were dead in trespasses. How good do you think a dead guy is? I want you to go to the morgue one day and pull one of, uh, uh, an old dead guy out of the slab and say, if you'll straighten up, we will let you out. Right? That was you. When God found you, you were dead. Boy, we need to preach that all over America right now. You see, ch- people are children of Satan, whether we like it or not. And they're starting to act more like him. And people in the church are shocked. <gasps> did you hear what they did? I'm going, yes. That's pretty normal in that family. It runs in the family. The dad is a liar and all of the kids are. Let's get on another one. If you don't know the difference between a male and a female, I'm going to give you the answer. Go in the living room and find the one that has the remote. That's the female. <laughs> now, I, I, have, have you ever thought we would get to a place in America where that would become a political issue? You've got to be someplace between stupid and a moron to even get in that discussion. Let me go to Washington. Let me go to Washington. Pastor Darrell goes to Washington. Just give me the floor for 30 minutes. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's why my title is so bad. I didn't dawn on me until I looked at it and I went, oh, that is a bad title. But everybody in Washington would understand it. Men have babies, right? Don't say that, Daryl. Don't say that. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. Let me get back in the spirit. Verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience, of whom you also once conduct yourself in the lust of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of your flesh and your mind, and you were by nature a child of wrath. Every one of us. I think there's a danger in you and I becoming a little tiny bit self-righteous. There's a danger. The ones of us that came out of the world have a greater chance of making it than the ones of you that didn't because I know what I was like. You see, when I got born again, guys, and I'm going to tell a little bit of that right now, my mother, I didn't go to the crusade because I wanted to go. I went because my mother prayed me into it. I wasn't looking for God, Don. I walked into crusade, and God had mercy on me. 
and he healed my body. I ran forward and prayed the prayer and went home and rolled a joint to celebrate being saved. And God started treating me like I had never done a thing wrong. And I didn't understand it. How can you, how can you treat me? Why are you being good to me? I could not understand it. Why did you heal my body? Why did you do that? I was GDing all the way to the damn crusade and came out a new creation, came out righteous, came out forgiven, came out washed in the blood, came out a son of God. And I wasn't looking for God. And I go to bed at night and I'd cry myself to sleep. Why are you doing this to me? And I knew he'd quit. Because all people quit. They find out what you're like and they leave. And he didn't. I didn't get it. That goodness turned me. I went, I got to know you. I've been pastoring for 30 something years. I'm still amazed he uses me at all. I'm amazed he even likes me. Someone say the blood. I wake up in the morning and I go, you are good. You are good. And today will be good because you are good. And I figured if he hadn't found out what I'm like in 45 years, I'm probably going to be all right. Sorry about my crying a little bit. You have no idea. And the people that walk in this church and they came out of hell, let me tell you something. They make the best Christians. The ones of you that were raised in it, well, there's still hope for you. <laughs> you still have a little bit of an idea that you're sort of a little bit good. And I have news for you you're not. God's not answering your prayers. Anyway, John 6, it says, flesh profits nothing. John 15, 5, without me, go to, put, put that on the screen right there, without me. I want you to see this. I'm the vine and you're the branch. He abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, without me, you're not going anywhere. I want you to understand that without him, you don't have a life. But with him. With him, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. You and I have one thing to brag on, Jesus. I tell people all the time, if you see anything good in me, it's God. If you see anything bad, it's me. But he's not finished with me any more than he is you. Amen. All right, let's dive on the other one. There's a scripture in... Um, in, in um, First Peter, we'll get over there in a minute. Go to Genesis chapter 4. The second the tax collector walked into the throne room and said, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me. And he appealed to the mercies 
of God. You remember blind Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road. People are touching Jesus to see if something will happen. They just want to see if the anointing will come off of them onto them. And they're trying to find the secret to the power. And you've got one guy on the side of the road and he hollers, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, find that man and bring him here to me and ask him what he wants. The man who cries mercy will get into the throne room of God. Somebody cried mercy. Somebody cried mercy. Somebody, somebody, somebody on a Sunday morning said mercy. Somebody cried mercy. You want to get a hold of God? Cry mercy. Appeal to the goodness of God. Not to your badness, not to your rightness, not to your wrongness, because you don't have a problem he can't fix. The reason why we started off the service, I read 23rd Psalm, goodness and mercy, not only the day I got saved, and it'll follow me all of the days of my life. But don't ever start thinking you're helping him a little. Because you will be praying with yourself. <laughs> Genesis chapter 4. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and the, the, the Hebrew word there, knew. He, see, he kind of knew Eve before that, but he knew her. This is an intimate term. They that know God will do exploits. Those who are intimate with God do exploits. Those who are not, they don't get a whole lot from God. They, Adam knew Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. The literal Hebrew says, I have acquired a man, the Lord. Eve was convinced that he was the Messiah that was promised. She's a little off on the timing. Some of y'all think your kids are the Messiah too, and you're a little off on your... Um, <laughs> and she bore again, and this time his brother Abel was Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, Cain was a tiller of the ground. And the process of time came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, and Abel brought the firstborn of the flock and of their fat. And of the Lord respected Abel and his offering. He did not respect Cain and his offering. Cain was angry. A lot of angry people. I've been angry before. Anybody ever had people disappoint you? Get over it. If God is for me, I've only found one way to overcome bitterness. If God is for me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter whether you're for me or against me. You are not changing anything in me. It's God that is for me. If he likes me, it don't matter whether you do or not. And he might be the only friend some of y'all ever had. But it's enough. I know one woman said, the Lord is my husband and I have a good husband. 
And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? I like to ask Putin that. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and it's desirous for you and you should rule over it. Cain talked with Abel. It says in the Hebrew, he argued and fought with Abel, his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? What have I done? What's, what's, what's that to me? Wow. Then it goes on and says, my sin is more than I can bear. Let's look at this story for a moment because Cain has taken the garden that God gave his mother and father, and he's developed it. He's got banana trees, avocado trees, orange trees, apple trees, and he's, and he's working the garden. He's doing what God put Adam in the garden to do. And one day he takes all of the work of his hands and brings it to God. And God went, I don't want that. And Cain is angry. I worked hard. I worked hard. Anytime you walk in the throne and go, I, you're, you're on the wrong foot. I've been pastoring for 30 something years. I've been tithing. I've been giving. I you ain't, even, you ain't even in the throne room yet. Abel had a little different mindset. And he went to mom and dad and said, tell me what happened in the garden that day when you came in in Victoria's Secret Leaves. And Eve said, well, let me tell you about it. We came in with fig leaves and God said, take them back to Victoria's Secret. That's not going to work here. And God went out and slew an animal and spilled his blood. And said, now you put that on. If you're coming in my throne, don't you come in without blood. Now Abel didn't do anything. Because goats make goats. Sheep make sheep. Abel, he's just sitting in his tent. He didn't even do anything. And he kills one of them, sheds its blood, and walks into the throne room of God, and God went, that I'll take. Now, we got the same situation going on here. Now, Cain can't get mad at God, but he's going to get mad. That's why the Muslims hate the Jews. That's why they hate you. Do you understand that a Muslim lives a better life in the natural? They pray more than you do. They go to church more than you do. And they've done everything they can do. And God blesses America. And they hate you. How have you gotten God to bless you so much? Here we are doing all that we do. And he ignores us. And you people in America, y'all are the biggest bunch of heathen. You don't go to church. You're not faithful. And God blesses you. Well, they have never figured out, oh, the blood of Jesus. 
God made America great. God will make America great again. And no matter what he does, you and I will be fine. All right. So Abel goes in the throne room and comes out with his prayers answered. Let's look at a couple more scriptures here, may we? 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Or let me read this. Likewise, longer people, submit yourself to your elders. All of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. You want to know the way up? It's down. You want to know the way down? Is up. Exalt yourself, you're going down. Humble yourself, you're going up. No matter where you are right now today in this room, I don't care where you are. If you'll take a knee, and I'm not talking football. A little different when you're on the field, but when you're in church, take a knee. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. Take a knee. You don't know what the doctor said. Take a knee. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will. You don't have a problem he can't fix. Church is supposed to be a time where we can walk into the, and, and, and spend time in the presence of God. What is it the first thing we do? Worship. Why? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. I'm going to say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he made me glad. The day this is the day, is talking about the day he rose from the dead. That's, that, that's what that, this is the day he made for me. And he raised Jesus from the dead to make me righteous. Raised Jesus from the dead so that Jesus could step in the throne room and take his blood and cover the judgment seat and became the mercy seat so that when you and I wake up in the morning and we go, Heavenly Father, I've come to you in the name of Jesus. He said, come in. Well, I'm doing better than y'all, amen, but anyway, I think you must be thinking. All of you be submissive one to another. Be clothed with humility. God hates pride. He hates it. I got a series by Keith Moore on, it's called, it's a series on humility. It's not. It's a series on pride, but you can't call it that because people wouldn't buy it. And nobody buys a series on pride except humble people, and they don't need it. I listened to it. It was brutal. I did a lot of changing. I went, I had no idea how bad I was doing. Anyway, God hates pride. Isaiah 1, let's go to Isaiah 1. You see, once we understand God, we overcome him, the devil. Now, that doesn't mean that he overcomes us. We overcome him. In the last days, we overcome him. We overcome him. 
We overcome him. You say, how are we going to do? We overcome him by the blood of the lamb. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time some of y'all got tempted? Don't answer that. Don't jump and run. You know, the only thing you have to answer the devil is the blood. When the temptations hit, you go, I plead the blood. I used to think temptation meant that I wasn't saved. How could I be saved and have all of these bad thoughts? I know you've never thought that, but Amber has. It's called a temptation. So what do you do when you're tempted? Humble yourself under the mind. Just plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind, over my body, over my family, over my home. Over I plead the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood. You know, he couldn't cross the bloodline in, in Egypt. He can't cross it now. Just take it and sling it all over the doorpost. Just sling it everywhere. Hey, devil, you want to talk to me? Talk to the blood. Talk to the blood. Smith Wigglesworth used to take communion every morning. I'm thinking about adopting that. Get up in the morning, go in there and get some grape juice and some crackers and go, Jesus, we're going to start our day off in the blood of Jesus. Well, anyway. Let's read this. Let's read, let's read, let's read. 112. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand? You trample my courts. You bring no more futile sacrifice. Incense, it's an abomination to me. Your new moons, your Sabbaths, and the calling of your assemblies. I, I can't endure the iniquity, the sacred meetings, your new moons, your appointed feast. I hate it. This is trouble to me. I'm weary of you bringing them, and you spread your hands, and you hide your eyes. Even you make prayers. I, I don't, I'm not listening to you. you, you your hands are full of blood. That's a man. That's a man. That's, that's just humanity. Wash yourselves. Put away evil from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead the widow. Come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be wool. And the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. How in the world are you ever going to get your sins clean? How are you ever going to approach a holy God? Only there is, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There's only one person ever lived the earth, walked this earth, worthy to have their prayer answered, and we know his name is Jesus. But before he left this earth, he, he obeyed God and went to that cross. And I have been there. It's right over the bus station. It is not enshrined where the Catholics say it was. It's right outside over the bus station. And the cross was a crooked little tree, probably only six feet tall. His feet were probably no more than five or six inches off the ground, and they nailed him right outside 
outside the gate so everybody that came by could see him standing out there. But because they lifted him up off the ground. You understand in the Old Testament when you're reading about, about um, Joshua and, and it says that he spoke to the sun. I'm going to explain to you what happened the day he spoke to that sun. You understand Satan already knew Joshua had the ability to win this war. But he didn't have the ability to win it in time. He, he was going to run out of time unless you get the king's feet off of the ground. All of the curses remain on the land. So he sent three armies against Joshua. He knew Joshua would beat them all. He knew he would be that Joshua would win. But Joshua's out there fighting day hour after hour after hour. And he's got four kings locked up in a cave. And he's got to get them off the ground. And he's got to get the curse. Because if the curse is not lifted, then Messiah cannot come. And God cannot use Israel. And this whole idea of God goes up in smoke. And Joshua is fighting and fighting. And the sun is moving. And the sun is moving. And finally, out of desperation, Joshua goes, Son, stand Still! Because it was important to get the king's feet off the ground and get the curse off the land. It was important the day Jesus died as a substitute for you and me to get his feet and take him and lift him up off the ground and remove the curse that was against us. And when he was lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. You want to brag on something? Brag on the cross. Brag on the blood. Brag on Jesus. Because everything that you'll ever have on this earth comes through nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Say, God loves me. And he proved it. Because when you needed a sacrifice, he couldn't find one. So he came. And he became a human to take your place. Say, God loves me. So the second man comes walking in. God, have mercy. And he left righteous. I'm going to tell you something. You're one small prayer away from righteousness. Be merciful. Have mercy. I woke up this morning and I said, we're going to go have church. Have mercy on me. <laughs> Be merciful to me. Folks, I know what I'm made out of. Anybody that wants to come hear me, you're crazy. If you want to come hear him, you're awesome. Let's read one more scripture before we go. Hebrews 10. Go to Hebrews 10 and we'll close with this. Say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think your best days are ahead of you. Don't you love the Bible? There are certain scriptures I read all the time and this is one of them. Hebrews 10, 14. 
For by one offering, he perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Say, I'm all right now. I give him the glory. What did he do to you? Made you perfect. That's awesome. God doesn't see anything you ever did wrong. That's good, God. Now, see, I don't know what these kids have ever done in their life, but when I was their age, I got run out of a city. I had the best dope recipe in town. I'm not going to tell anybody what it was. I know y'all wanting it, but I ain't going to give it to you. When the cops ask you to never come back, you're a mess. But somebody loved me. Love turned me. Cops didn't change me. School didn't change me. Money didn't change me. Jesus changed me. I met Jesus. The Holy Spirit also witnesses that after this, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, say me. I will put my law in their heart and in their minds. I'll write them in their sins and in deeds. I will remember them no more. Say, that's me. Come on, y'all need to say it again. That's me. Say, that's me. Say, I plead the blood. That's me. Say, goodness and mercy will follow me. You want your prayers answered? Just look up to God and say, be merciful to me. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for Jesus. And you're going to get the, you're going to get the attention of the guy that can do anything. He can do anything. That is massive. Mark Hankins wrote a book on the blood. How many times have you read it? Um, three or four? I got your beat. I read that book maybe eight or nine, ten times. Every time I get through reading it, I forget most of it and go back and read it again. I oh, mean, I have a bad memory. Someone said, why do you read all the time? Because I can't remember half what I read. I just have to read it again. But I found out that no matter how bad my day is, that scripture right there will make me happy. Because anytime I mess up, and I know y'all don't, but I do, the devil says, well, you're done now. You've been passing 33 years, and you're still messed up. Now you're done. And I go, I just want to plead the blood. <laughs> and the devil's not nice, and people aren't either. You know, people believe they can blow your candle out, it makes theirs brighter. How many of you got family members that are always reminding you of what you are like? You know why they nail, why they jump on you? They don't want you to pay attention to them. 
So whenever they start jumping on you, just go, I plead the blood. Well, who do you think you are? I plead the blood. Do you think God loves you? I plead the blood. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, draw near with a full heart and full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, hold fast the confession of your hope. In other words, the only thing you need to have in your mouth is what God said about you. Don't answer any other way. So which guy are you in the Bible? I know some of you think you're the Pharisee. Well, you can change. The worst one got his prayers answered. The best one didn't. Don't ever come to God talking about what you did. Don't do it. You live on this earth a thousand years. All your good deeds don't amount to a hill of beans. If you didn't need the blood, God wasted his time sending Jesus. He didn't waste his time. Say, God is good and he loves me. Folks, that's a powerful statement. God loves If God is on my side, who? Who? I'm accepted in the beloved. I am accepted by God. That's a good day. I think y'all will go out of here today and have a good day. Now, we live in a bad world, but we're not alone. Go back in one day and read the Old Testament again and read it over and over. How God got the children of Israel out of bondage. He did it with a lamb. And even Egyptians got a lamb and killed it and left with the Jews. The woman, Rahab the harlot, God said, we're going to destroy your city. She said, she's a harlot. She's a prostitute. She said, what do I do? He said, Put a red cord out the window and you'll be saved. Come on, y'all. Oh, you know, we ought to do this a lot more often than we do it. I like something Mark Hankins said. We ought to sing a lot more about the blood. Because there ain't any hope outside of that. The next time you meet somebody that talks about the good, the bad, and the ugly, just ask them, say, are you washed in the blood? You might want to meet the blood. Anyway, since y'all are so excited, I'm going to quit. God can tolerate 
unrighteous far more than he can handle self-righteous. Don't ever become self-righteous. Get your finger out of everybody's faces talking about what they've done. You've done worse. Jesus said at the end of speaking to mountains, he said, okay, I'm going to teach you the power of your tongue. If you speak to mountains, you speak to trees, you speak to anything, it will obey you. But there is one catch. If you have ought against anybody and you become self-righteous, it won't work. (laughs) It won't work. Prayer doesn't work in an atmosphere of self-righteousness. But it does in an atmosphere of mercy. I don't know where you came today. I don't know where you are right now, but there's people in this room right now and you need a prayer answered before you go home. And I'm going to say this. If you listened, you'll get it. You'll get it. God is a God that works miracles and He's big. And He's not answering everybody's prayers. And anybody that comes in there and humbles himself before the mighty hand of God, they will leave righteous. Father God, I have done, I've done my best. I preached a parable you gave us. I, I did the best I could with it. And I believe that it's, I believe it's pretty self-explanatory. What they thought would be the right way, you said was not. In America today, we've looked at ourselves and said we're a pretty good nation. No, you kept us. You've been good to us. All of our life, every good thing we have, you gave it to us. And I pray we will never get so self-righteous that we think that we've added to Calvary. We haven't. We serve a good God, and you are a good God. You're a great God. You're a God of mercy. And I plead the mercies of God over this congregation. If anybody walked in sick, I pray the mercies of God. If anyone came in with sin in their life, I I pray the mercies of God on them. If anyone came in with marriage trouble, I, I pray the mercies of God. And I thank you for your mercies over the United States of America and over Ukraine right now. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy goodness and mercy. Say this with me. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You got this? Praise the Lord. Y'all have a good day. Amen. Y'all just sit tight for a minute. Amen. Say this with me. God is on my side. Amen. The blood has been applied. Every need shall be supplied. Nothing shall be denied. God is on my side. The blood has been applied. Every need shall be supplied. Nothing shall be denied. But has the blood been applied to every one of you? Not if you haven't accepted him as Lord. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. The world is you. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. Everyone who believes and says, Jesus, 
I want you to be my personal Lord. The Bible says, everyone that believes, the next verse says, everyone that believes shall not be condemned, shall not be held under damnation, and shall not go to hell. Yes, there's a hell to shun and there's a heaven to gain. You don't go into nothingness. You don't die and that's it. No, you will live forever somewhere. You will live in torment forever or you will live in peace forever. So there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Amen? And so he said, everyone that believes on him shall not be condemned. Condemned means with damnation. But everyone who does not believe, everyone who, does, who says, I don't care, I don't want the gift, I don't want the blood, I don't give a rip. He says, they're damned already. They're living in hell now. So if you're here this morning and you can't remember, I implore, I beg you, if you can't remember a time in your whole life that you ever said these words, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Not just, I believe in God. Well, everybody believes in God, basically. The Bible says the devils believe in God, but they ain't going to heaven. But if you open up your arms and you say, Jesus, if you can't remember a time where you said, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, make me brand new. I thank you for the blood applied to my sins. Bam. He washes it all away and he says, I'm not going to remember it anymore. If you don't ever remember saying those words, you need, you need to come up today. Because I can't guarantee your life. Amen. So as our altar workers are coming forward, come on forward. Do it today. Don't leave these doors. Don't walk out the doors going, I think I believe. No, if you don't remember praying that, pray it with somebody up here today. Say, I want to pray that prayer. They'll lead you in a prayer. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, bam, you will be saved. Four words. You will be saved. So come up and make that right if you're not sure. Amen. And if you want prayer for any other reason, they will pray over you and God will answer your prayer. Amen. The rest of you have a wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.